Hi, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Enlightened Conversations. Each week, we invite guests to share their views on the world, work, and their personal lives in an enlightened way. Our hosts have been chosen especially to role model just how we do an enlightened conversation. This episode is produced by Michelle Lightworker and sponsored by the Lightworker Foundation. Hi everyone, it's Michelle Lightworker here and welcome to Enlightened Conversations. I'm actually glad that I have a stubborn Taurian streak in my zodiac because uh, um, it serves me in a positive way to be persistent when you know that you need to bring someone on the show that needs, who has a voice and needs to be heard. I'd like to introduce formally to you Donna Marie Flockhart. So Donna is a a women entrepreneur, a visionary social and cultural change catalyst and chief creator at Bodie and Me. She's also a TEDx talker. She's done a talk in 2016. She accepted the hashtag challenge accepted. And the description of her TEDx talk was to collaboratively create social and cultural change to honour children and improve communities. So I'm excited because that's so in line with what I'm all about, Donna. But, I mean, there's so much to you, there's so much to you, and I can't wait to to share space with you and to connect with you on Enlightened Conversations. So welcome. Thank you, Michelle. That's a beautiful welcome. Thank you very, very much and introduction. And it's always exciting to have people who you're communicating with and connecting with, and particularly with your interviews, you know, when I listen to them at times, um, to have that connection. For me, it's always been around children. And at the end of the day, honouring children means honouring everybody because you start with the children and then we change. That's where all the cultural and social change comes in because once we change our culture and our social norms, we provide an environment where children, which is what we were and still are as well, um, have the opportunity to be true to who they are and to shine and to bring their light to the world because every single child has its own um, special light and its own place in this big machine that we live in or this big space of energy. Absolutely. Yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth, actually. Like, as you're talking, I'm like, yeah, we're still children. What? That's right. <laughs> we're, you know, and I think, you know, um, it occurred to me today, actually, I was, I was, as I was getting ready, as, as things yeah. do, and I yeah. was, I was um, thinking to myself, um, if, if we all took this journey of life and every single that every single thing that happens in it as part of our learning like as as children we are all children still learning and I thought if we all just did that if we all saw everything like that like everything that happens to ourselves it happens out there in the world everything that happens to everybody as part of our learning to actually strengthen um, uh, qualities within us that we need to develop like if we all saw that life was for us, like there's yes. a conspiracy, there is, there's a conspiracy, but it's life is for us, not against us, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Then I agree entirely with everything you're just saying. And this morning thinking about us talking and, you know, just with the flow in my life with each event that occurs as well, I totally concur with everything you were just saying. In life we are condition so this is social and cultural again to believe that things happen to us things don't happen to us we're part of a big picture 
And it's, you know, science is now stating openly, whereas once upon a time it was like, oh, you guys are a bit crazy over there, you know, having these thoughts and ideas around what's happening. What's really happening is we are this big um, functioning uh, machine. I'm going to use the, that as an analogy again, basically because a lot of people, even interestingly when you're talking about spirit or energy, they still use, they can relate to the concept of a car. So what you put in is what you get out, you know, if you don't maintain that, or a boat, you know, same again, any piece of machinery. So in our world of energy, every single thing that occurs at any time uh, is just part of a big picture. And it, what happens here shifts something that happens over there. And that what happens over there shifts something that happens over there. So when we look at every experience that we have as opportunity and um, breakthrough as a break as opposed to breakdown and there was another one of those I read yesterday somewhere that was amazing I can't think of it just now and also um, that it's all realization and it's growth and when you were saying just now that from the from the moment we are conceived actually preconception I, I now believe based on reading and learning we are already in a space where we are coming into this world through choice and uh, there are experiences that we're going to go through that will help us grow and and as a part of us growing, we're growing the global picture, which is that big machine. And our part in that is to actually fill all these experiences that we have and to share them because one of the challenges, and it's great to see that happening more and more, it's really beautiful because one of the challenges that people have had for so long and again we're talking social and cultural is that there's shame and there's guilt and there's beliefs that hold people in fear and that fear-based system that we are so stuck in in so many ways keeps us honoring spaces that don't honor us and when we're, when we're doing that we're not actually allowing ourselves to be the best that we can be we that big children and those the little children because then we're pushing them through that space as well and what it does is dumb them down and they lose their spark not totally because it's always there but it gets dumbed down and it's really sad to see that happen so often um and part of my journey is to shift that you know one of the and um, when we chatted last time, we were talking about um, domestic violence and narcissism and familial violence and just violence in general. And, you know, when you look at that at the um, ultimate level, um, behaviours that we are taught that are around not honouring who you are and not what your intuition tells you is self-violence. So we're actually being taught to abuse ourselves on a daily basis, which is really very sad. Um, so um, I hear my son talking there. <laughs> so um, it's really important for me to actually become a part of that or be a part of that big story where we really do get out there and talk openly about what we experience without guilt or shame or anything like that. It is simply experience. It's what we do with it and how we move forward and how we assist others in theirs to actually remove that guilt and shame, et cetera, and to just go, this was an experience and take it into the bigger world and help others to do the same. That's what we're here for at the end of the day. Yeah, uh, that's a wonderful way of putting it. And that's it. what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, was, I feel like we're always having a conversation um, yes. with something, you know, and, and, and it's ourselves or it's our higher resources flowing through us and then 
and, or other people and it's, it's, it's always a conversation. And so if we, I think if we ask ourselves the question, because a lot of the times where um, I think we're trying to find ways to um, cope with what's happened. Um, you know, you hear about a lot about that. You hear about change management. You hear about the grief process, uh, adjusting to change and all those kind of things. I think that if we reprogrammed ourselves to actually say, oh, yeah, I'm still human and I'll have my reactions and all that jazz, that's normal. But if I actually come from the place of how is this serving me, I, I think I'm going to shortcut a lot of that emotional processing at like mm-hmm. ahead of time because, and I do, actually I do. I do. Um, I, I have a, I have a, a past history with um, a lot of emotional processing um, in my twenties, and I don't poo-poo that for anyone because some some of the times, whatever we've been through, it may be kind of we're thawing out. It's almost like we're an iceberg. Yeah, you know, I need to break down. We need to thaw out. We need to heal, feel, to heal. But I also think that moving forward as an enlightened being, it means that we're automatically seeing things that are serving us and that's not forced it's just a matter of fact yes and the sooner that we can see that um the less judgment we have on everyone everything and the healthier the conversation is between our two ears too because exactly. not, why, why beat yourself up if something's serving you and and you're you're simply there to ask yourself the question how can this bring me peace rather than how can this bring me unrest or how can, how do I, how do i have to adjust to this it's more like how do i how do i find the peace in this how do i how do i find the, the learning, the, less, the lesson, the, the service, the strength, um, because there's going to be something in that tornado or whatever just happened that is your beacon for pulling it out, like drawing it out of you. And um, I know you've been through, uh, you, you and I have both got a colourful past, like no doubt. <laughs> We've had our fair, fair share of, you know, life served up to us to to embrace that adjustment. But I'm just curious as to if you wanted to share some of your highlights as to maybe with people, because I find them inspiring, you know, those kind of um, moments in time where you are, I, I think you're, you know, like when you're at a crossroads, when you feel like, you're yes. at a crossroads and, you know, you can choose, to, I mean, I have too in my past, you know, choose to sort of go down, go down or lift, you know. Yes. Um, and, and so maybe maybe it's an opportunity for you to share some of your stories. Sure. Um, I, I'll just um, revert back to something you just said before I head on to the sharing. And it, back again in relation to children, you know, um, one of the concepts you were just talking about was the conversation that goes on between our two ears. And that is one of a human perspective because we are at the end of the day having a human experience and so we're going to have all those grief et cetera, and emotions, etc. And it is really important to process them because we're having that experience. It's being, and that's another part of the child factor for me, because when we are taught in a loving and respectful way when we are young how to honour that human process and how to honour ourselves and ways of doing that that are self-respectful as well as respecting everyone around you, we don't get to 20, 30, 40, 50 and have to learn that. We may have to relearn it or revisit it, but we actually learn it when we're little because that's the way we are socially and culturally um, programmed. You know, we're talking about reprogramming and, you know, we are constantly reprogramming based on our experiences. But if we start from a place of love as opposed to a place of fear, it's going to upshift everything to where we're wanting to go as well. Um, And sure, we're still going to have these experiences and that are, um, you know, the, what were we just saying? The um, (laughs) breakdown, breakthrough. 
Um, which are those highlights at the end of the day? Because they are the, okay, here, we're having a bit of a breakdown here. I'm going to melt or I'm going to step up or I'll melt and then I'll step up. Um, so in my experiences, I'm just trying to think of, I won't try and think of anything profound. I'll just go with the flow. Um, so as a child at the age of eight, which is one of the really um, distinctive breakthrough spaces for children as well, with it going from the little tiny child up into the, now I'm shifting up into the um, tween or pre-teen section. And I had this very, I was living at the time, my family had broken up um, and that they had, it had always been a broken family. I got, I get the impression that it was never, a, um, my, with my parents, it was never a loving, committed, united front. Um, it was quite volatile. And I don't remember a lot of that. And it's really interesting. I had a, uh, I was chatting with my husband, Doug, yesterday. And you know, I said, I have one happy memory of my dad when we lived together. And that is, um, I would have been four, three or four. And I sat in a lounge room with him in a house that we were living at the time, either, I think it was, it was Kippering or Kalanga. I'm not sure it was one of those spaces. And my older brother was in school. But it's the only happy memory I've had with my dad, and that's watching the Seekers concert on TV. Um, and they were singing Train Whistle Blowing. <laughs> you know, so that's my happy dad memory. Um, and at the age of eight, having my family having separated and gone through the courts, and the court giving custody to my grandmother, and um, by default, the man who she later married, who we called our pop or grandfather, my real granddad, biological granddad, had died years before in an accident. Um, so we grew up with them, we were living with them, and um, I had the, I have the very strong memory, and I even can tell you where I was, what I was smelling, what I was near, etc. at the time, of knowing I just had to get through this time with this family so that I can actually live and be. So I had to survive this period of time, because it was incredibly volatile, and it was psychologically, emotionally, and physically abusive. There was sexual abuse throughout that time as well. And girls were second rate, second class, second everything. And, um, you know, and what I am really conscious, conscious of now with the experiences that I've had, you know, with having been diagnosed with complex post-traumatic stress, learning about narcissism in relationships, it's really interesting. It's something I've just left on the fringes. It's been kind of like wandering around, but I've never learned about it. And I'm the ultimate researcher, learner, etc. but it's stuck over there. And now I am so incredibly aware of it and how it impacts so many people. And it's another one of the, uh, and it's not saying narcissism is bad or good. It just is, you know, it's another human um, experience that we have. And to actually know it, we can then see it and not hate or like or anything just know it and know how to see it for what it is and not it let not let it take over us because that is the ultimate goal of that particular um human trait or human experience is it's a winning game and when you're not a game player you know you get caught up in those things so that's been a really interesting experience and continues to be i learn more about it all the time yeah um, i I, I must admit, like, you know, um, you see that pattern a lot in DV relationships. Absolutely. You know, where perhaps, and, and just let's just work on the male-female dynamic as yes. keep it simple here. So then you have a woman who, in the relationship who maybe has had those conversations with herself that aren't, that aren't, she hasn't got the self-talk that's positive within herself. She hasn't even, she hasn't developed the self-love required. So then... The, the polarization of 
the essence of that within her is externalised, which is uh, mirrored back to her by a narcissist. So the part of her that she hasn't learnt to love is externalised by someone who is seeking that uh, attention, energy and and wants to be in that sort of space of feeling important and valued all the time. And so it's like this polar expression so we we set ourselves up for it uh, for that learning by by understanding the dynamic that that we absolutely yeah and it's like we have created it It doesn't make us a victim at all it doesn't make us to blame at all it's just that we've created that for our learning so how do we get an experience or how do we become at peace with the part of us that is the inner narcissist that is moderated because everything comes back into you know that that polarization is, is diffused, it comes back to a place of, I have a healthy self-love for me. I have healthy conversations for me. And so then I'm not attracted to someone like that because it's That's not fine. something missing from me. So then our attraction to people actually changes. And not only that, but we are, we be, I, I believe we give narcissists uh, who have that particular trait of polarization, I believe we give them an opportunity at that moment in time to be liberated from that and that they have an opportunity to actually find their vulnerability to, to be able to find you know to be able to find the part of them that they've disowned that they need to actually bring back into alignment so that there's a it's really exciting yeah it's really exciting to hear you say that michelle because i don't hear that perspective so much um and it's really nice as well you know even recently a lady um who I've connected with recently, Anita Bentata. She was up here um, in Brisbane on the Gold Coast doing speak, doing uh, presentations with around domestic violence and children and um, etc. And the approach from women is becoming less of the victim. However, in therapy and in a lot of different uh, in the medical world, um, everything around that is still being looked at from a victim perspective. Um, and, and I understand that, and that's just another social and cultural shift that we require. And I, I was involved in that world, and, and it felt really uncomfortable because I thought, you don't fight fire with fire. You know, I know that people need to be safe, etc. But, you know, the thing and the way my brain works or the way I function, because brain and body go together, is that if something isn't right, as you were just saying, and the person who has the narcissistic traits and it's displaying them, has those because there is something massive about them or about you rather that they are reflecting to you. And the ultimate, because people used to and still tend to talk about the term narcissist as um, a really bad thing, and it's just a thing. And the thing with being a narcissist is that there is something about yourself that you hate so incredibly much that you are seeking that in others and outside of yourself. And you create, and then you attract people who have these parts of them who they haven't been able to um, forgive, acknowledge, accept, and love unconditionally. And then you, together, the person who is generally an empath again so the empath narcissist story plays out male female female male whichever and um what usually happens is the empath becomes an absolute disaster and what i see as our opportunity in this space particularly with it being such a topical thing globally not just here in australia or queensland even though it's massive here 
um, what I see this as an opportunity is to actually share with the world and educate, well, this is what this dance is about. This is what it looks like. If you have this background and you have that background, there is a very strong likelihood that you may end up together. Or, you know, I'm just, and I don't have any proof of any of this, but, you know, this high-profile story in the news at the moment with Kelly Landers, I think her name is, and Anthony Bell, it's, you know, you watch it on TV and you just go, oh, okay, there's another one. Um, but not but you know, I see it as our responsibility as humans with the knowledge and the information and the stories that exist. You know, they're not just stories. They're people's lives and, you know, they've, they are the case studies that we have to go, hey, this, this, this. You know, you have an opportunity to shift that and actually shift up and, you know, make your relationship absolutely awesome rather than a disaster um, or a Titanic, you know, just waiting to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I see that as well. I think, look, you know, um, there's nothing enlightened about polarisation. Oh, goodness, no. You know, and like you're saying, they're just elements. I think they are. They're just elements um, of, of ourselves. I remember um, designing a process once for, like, worker practitioner training called the Diamond of Empowerment. And it actually had, um, you know, components that all needed to be balanced. So one of the one of the components was the part of us that feels disempowered, which you could say is the victim, but it's not. It's just the part of us that tends to feel disempowered, and finding out what that what that part needs. And then the other part is actually the part of us like that wants to be empowered, and it's often angry. You know, there's one part yeah. that's usually very sad, the one that's disempowered. And then there's one part that's usually very angry that wants to be empowered. It's frustrated. And and, um, and and so we all have these parts they're not claimed back yes. um, and balanced within ourselves. We yeah. can't expect society um, to, to, you know, we can't, actually we can't stop, re stop reacting. We can't expect ourselves or other people to stop reacting to those polarisations if they haven't balanced those within the self. I think that we're sort of leading edge and standing on the edge of a pioneer of a shift in perception and awareness of, around behaviour and yes. around how what kinds of conversations we're really having with other people before the words even leave our mouth. Because yes. my belief is, is that, yeah, where intention goes, energy flows. So therefore, where, where our judgments are towards society, you know, like what you said, you know, seeing that person, oh, it's another story. It's like, yeah, it's true. It's just another story. And it's not, it's not minimising the story. And no. And it's not minimising the people, but it's not actually allowing that to clutter our energy and to buy into some, oh, drama about that shouldn't be happening, blah, blah, blah. Actually, it's playing out for the learning of everyone there. And so what are they learning? That's more the interesting part of it. And if we kind of break things apart that way, if we pick it apart that way, it's far more interesting. And it's actually a celebration because if people are actually, I think that if people are actually cracking open um, some of self-awareness, they'll do that quicker with society not holding the judgment pitch, you know, let's have, <laughs> let's burn you at the stake, you know, because you're, you, you happen to be at this point in time, you happen to be the one doing the, 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 the thing that we deem, deem wrong. Whereas That's wrong. Yeah. Whereas I just see, I see all behaviour or all experience as a callus for our learning. So let's get, let's get on with the learning, right? So if that's the point, let's get on with the learning. Yeah, I agree entirely. Um, again, we seem to agree. Well, we do. <laughs> we agree most of the time, all the time, I think. Um, and it is when we have reached a space and, you know, there are times in life where we, absolutely require help to do that 
um, everything that, you know, I was just having this, uh, I can't remember, internal conversation I was having this morning around everything we see we can no longer unsee. So um, I was thinking about um, an interview that I'd seen with Boy George and his history. And I have a, this massive theory around everything that we have um, experienced that, okay, so it could start with, we, we talk about addictions and we talk about behaviours, etc., and we talk about those as um, uh, we, some people do, you know, I don't. They talk about them as bad things and, you know, that you are not a good person. And I truly believe that they are all, and, you know, this just makes common sense to me, so I really get challenged when people are stuck and not able to see it. However, I also acknowledge that they haven't had the experience to shift that perspective for them and may never have. Um, any of those outward expressions of behaviour, of self-abuse, are reflections of abuse, and abuse equals violence, in our past. So whether that's this lifetime and if you believe in other lifetimes or past lifetimes, you know, it's also familial, like with complex post-traumatic stress, um, or post-traumatic stress, they're just calling it as a general term these days. Um, that is, you know, a combination. It's familial and it can be intergenerational and you can be born with it, you know, and to have all of that knowledge and for that to actually be in the, shared in the medical world and as well as in the um, energy healing world, um, people are on the same path and you're able to go, well, okay, this and this and this and this, well, now we know how to help you um, to um, shift this energy that's keeping you stuck in your body. Um, and if we need medical world to do that or, or complementary world or combine the two of them, well, then we do that. And it's really, I just really see this space where, again, we're talking cultural and social, where that's how life starts. You know, we start like that and we start from respect and we start from observing, not judging. And judgment is a human thing, but, you know, to actually get to the space while we are judging what's going on out there, we are judging what's within. So as without, what's within, as above, so below, et cetera, et cetera, you know, the universal laws. So um, I just really see, you know, and with I started with talking about Boy George, George O'Dowd, which shares your surname. Um, <laughs> that's part of probably where this conversation started for me in my head. You know, he, uh, what he's been through in his life um, and he was so very proud that he's now sober for nine years. Um, and there is still judgment around the times when he wasn't. Yeah. Um, because when you're not, it means you're in pain. So I'm, I'm sorry, when I mean, I mean is when you're using anything, whether it be relationship, food, um, alcohol, or any other kind of drug that you want to term, um, the world, so you're putting everything back on yourself, the self-abuse, is purely a reflection of the pain you are feeling inside. And it means that I need to deal with something. And so there again, you know, that takes it back to narcissistic behavior. It's a reflection of the pain you're feeling inside. Yeah. Um, so when, when we learn and when we shift cultural and social norms to a space where we are aware of that and we talk of that and it's part of everyday conversation in a positive, acknowledging, respectful way, we then allow the space for that to actually shift and for people to not feel judgment or guilt or shame about I need to see somebody to get some help or I choose to see somebody to get some help um, so that I can shift this so that I'm not stuck and so that I'm no longer self-abusing or feeling violent in any way because while you're doing it to yourself, you're going to be doing it out there somewhere as well.
Yeah, that's a really good point. And, um, you know, I'm really curious, actually, with what you were talking about before, about the complex post-traumatic stress, too. I hope you don't mind me going back to that. No, just, please do. Yeah, it's just that um, what I have found, right, is because I, I was a specialist with post I was a tra- I was an abuse and trauma specialist and a multi-addiction specialist when I was in clinical counselling and I had my own practice. So... And how, how that all, for me, what I experienced really helped people was, um, and, and not a lot, you know, if, if people have a different kind of point of view on like whether past lives exist, I just want to say to them, it doesn't really matter if the past life exists or not, but in someone's perception, if, if something presents itself that feels older or more important to deal with on that level than, than the current situation, then it's real for them. Um, what I experienced with re- resolving the flashbacks and the, the, the post-traumatic stress and unblocking the brain to uh, release those memories, you know, or to be at peace, release the, release the emotional toxicity around those memories was, was helping people to, yeah, go into the body, find out where that energy was stuck. And if there was a memory or let's just say a story attached to that particular um, pain, uh, different characters presented themselves and if that meant that that person was say they were feeling victimized in this lifetime but then they had a memory where they felt victimized in a past lifetime actually going back and allowing that process to for them to go back and really get to the core of why they needed to have that experience back then and why it's repeated on them you know perhaps now for me I found resolved things a lot quicker for people than just talking about it um, and I'm all for accepting don't get me wrong but what I how I worked was from a holistic point of view was I invited their higher self into the mix to go back then and, and learn from that story so it was this that loving supporting presence of themselves and any of their spiritual guides or connections to, to go back into that moment to enlighten it and I found uh, I don't know if you had an experience with that kind of thing but I found that for my clients they just were so, they just walk out and they'd be like so peaceful. And then anytime they had a memory of this, it's, it's like it, it was already dealt with from before. So it kind of almost like evaporated. And I can say that's miraculous or I can just say that that's our, our, us being 100% connected with our bodies, honest with ourselves and then bringing as much love we could to the as possible as possible to that situation um, with, with an also open-mindedness to learn so much from it. Have you, I mean, that's a pretty big description, but have you, um, have you had any experience with that for yourself? Uh, I have, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I've been doing different uh, kinds of therapy for years. And, you know, while I've lived my corporate world, I've also trained in lots of therapies. And I've never actually formally practised them. You know, I've practised them with family and friends, etc. And people always say, you know, you're a really great healer. You should be doing this. And I still live my corporate world. Um, but I've always been drawn to that. So I'm very conscious of very different uh, on the holistic level. Um a multitude of therapies and you know different names for them and at the end of the day what you were just sharing uh reflects my my personal beliefs on the whole picture and that energy is energy and healing energy is healing energy so different names same story same energy 
Um, so we're all accessing that higher self that you were talking about or source or um, universal energy or whatever name that you give it that works for you. No different to what you were saying about whether you do or not believe in past lives, it's the energy that you're working with. And it's at the end of the day, it's always, you know, in the term that I use is um, our soul. So it's our essence and that's with us forever. And that's why we have these past life memories and um when we get to a stage or when we're at a stage where that works for us, that's when we have them. And if we don't have them, well, then it's not working for us yet. My theory. Um, so where was I heading with that? So in relation to healing, uh, the, the work that I'm using or that I'm participating in, you know, uh, Raquel Dubois, I'm actually doing most of my Raquel Dubois. She's a psychotherapist and she's done a massive training um, in a variety of fields. So she's, and uh, yeah, uh, in a variety of fields. And one of the processes she's using at the moment is called brain spotting. And the gentleman who created it is an American uh, and she does somatic experience in, as well. And she can, one of the things that's beautiful about her and so many other people now is that they um, learn, uh, continue to learn. So they don't believe that one answer is the answer. You know, it's like, well, this supports that, supports that, supports that. And it does. And daily, you know, one of the things that excites me as well is, you don't go and do your training and that's the end of it. You know, everything is shifting so much, so quickly these days. And in relation to, you know, you're talking about brain and then you worked into the body. Well, brain and body are not separate and that's acknowledged now, whereas for so long, even up to the last 20 years, and still a lot of practitioners because they haven't chosen to acknowledge new training or new learning and new research and new science you know, even to the degree, you know, um, so I'm just digressing here a little because this is just a really amazing way of sharing this. Um, I saw uh, a documentary about a little boy and it was the article, that it was called The Boy With No Brain. So he had... Oh, my God, issues. I saw that the other night. You that saw crazy. that? My yeah. God, so it's so crazily amazing that he had 2% and he grew it, like, in four years. To ago. 80. Yeah. And they said that it would grow more. And that's just proof, again, of how much what we believe is not truth. It's just theories, you know, and that's my thing, or not my thing, you know, one of my beliefs and that which allows me to stay so open to everything that's available is what we are operating on and our beliefs around what works and what doesn't work are somebody else's theories. How old are they? How current are they? How new are they? So if you learned something 50 years ago, how relevant is that to what the reality is today? And, you know, so that's totally blown away, you know, the medical world who works in, uh, in, in all levels because they told the parents, you know, your, child, your child's body will not be able to function once the child is born because the brain is so underdeveloped that it won't know how to breathe. The, body won't be, it won't, the brain cannot tell the body to breathe so it won't survive. That little boy excelled and thrived and, you know, it's just incredible to have seen that because it's, so, it's what I believe. Our bodies and brains, because they are the one thing, and our minds and our soul, it's everything, it's all one thing. When you are not limited by fear, when you are not in a space of fear, and his parents weren't, you know, and that's something I hadn't thought of before, they were just in, okay, we're going, because they had been advised, as you would have seen, to terminate, and they said, no, we're not going to do that, and they just went, we're going to give him everything, and they devoted their lives to him in a positive, non-victim sense. It was all about you know, um, giving him everything that he needed to make the most of what he had. And how beautiful is that? And look at the, how that little boy has thrived. That's the human. And 
Or we can go into victim and go fear, fear, fear. She was so cute. Like, seriously, that, that little kid's personality was, like, ridiculous. Like, what is he here for, man? Like, yeah. I am so excited to see where this little kid is going with his life because you, you could tell he's more than a brain. Like, he's... Oh, yeah. There's just so much that him in his, you know, you call it soul. I mean, for me, I call it spirit because I feel like, um, you know, uh, so my soul is more my emotional reality. And it does make up, it does make up my personality. Like, or if you can imagine a million different, million and one personalities all put into one, you know, because we all have everything because we're all... Yes. Everything. That's more yes. My, my soul. My spirit is more my essence. My spirit is more my, um, I guess, my you know, the part of me that is eternal that will keep on going, that, that draws on all my souls and, and brings out the best in them all and all that and fills them. Um, but I saw in that little kid, it, it's his spirit was just whack. Like, man, he, he could just look at, you saw him look, he knew things before they would, I could see he, he knew things before they would happen. His, his reactions to his parents, like, when his mum was crying, when he was in pain because he had a bifida and he had to put his legs in those little braces and he yes. was crying a little bit and then his mum started to cry and he's, and then he's like, are you all right? Like he's yeah. present. He's like let go of his own pain and he's actually present. Like he was amazing. What a being of light he was, he is. is um, yeah. so, so beyond it. I love this topic because... For me, um, we are all connected and just in, in so far as science and proving things, just because we've tested and proven things in the past and they haven't been a reality doesn't mean that in the future they won't be because all, a, lot of, a lot of what actually appears because we're all connected is based on a united consciousness or a group consciousness or a mass consciousness. So if we all believe that we can move things with our mind, then, then it'll start to happen. And we just haven't got there yet with a lot of people still poo-pooing it. So they're sort of dampening down that. Um, it doesn't mean it's not truth. It just means that they're dampening down that group consciousness belief. So we as beings of you know light that want to actually lead, um, we're the ones that just hold the belief whether or not other people don't. And so that's our duty. That's our social responsibility. I believe that's our social responsibility. I agree. Um, and not to not to like you said, some people may never. So like in this lifetime, some people may never. Absolutely true. And so then to hold that space, <laughs> pre-space of love. <laughs> yes. Them, you know that for me draws out my ability to have the highest level of compassion. Um, the highest level of love available. So I thank them. I thank them in advance and I say, you know, because in the past I used to get so angry and I used to want to fix people and I used to want to say, why can't people just get it? It's just, you know, so good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've got it. You can have it too. Believe. <laughs> and it's, I, I agree with everything you just said and it just reminded me because, you know, the whole everything's connected, everything's energy. I, I don't even think about that. You know, that's, yeah. that's, just a space and it just reminds me that when we are talking about a lot of these things those things that we take for granted those concepts we don't talk about whereas they are things that still they are um not topics but they are concepts uh that require constant speaking and sharing because that is the beginning you know when you're already believing in that and you're functioning in this 
other space, which is what people talk talk about as a higher consciousness. Oh, and by the way, thank you so much for sharing about your perspective on the soul spirit because that is totally how I believe, but I've never shifted the terms. I talked about I think them as well. It was probably back because I kind of, in so far as I guess the spiritual organisation of words, let's just say, um, you know, when I studied Steiner education back in 1996 and I did it whole year, oh, actually, no, it was 1995, sorry. When yes. I studied it back in 1995 and I was studying, I did a whole year, the, the foundation of the course was called an orientation in anthroposophy. Yes. So like Rudolf Steiner was a spiritual scientist and there wasn't a disconnection. There was a complete... Yeah. And he... he like it was over my head really totally I mean I was 20 at the time (laughs) I I connected with a lot and I resonated with all of it really but I just didn't I couldn't get it all like it was just I mean I couldn't even get it all today it's just so massive and so huge um but I I totally aligned with that concept and understood it because what it did was it validated um that we are everything you know that's yes you know that we are everything and how just on a children's note how i did um therapy with children how i explored soul with children was through animals through role playing okay so we would role play different animals and that really helped them to connect with their soul and one thing that steiner said was when you're presenting the idea of soul to children you don't talk about we have a soul you actually you are uh, able to um be the soul together like let's play being a a, a timid little mouse and now let's p- play being a big lion and, yeah. and then let's play, you know and then it's like about exploring the different components of personality of soul of strengths of qualities whatever you want to call them through yes. animals they they have a natural affinity to they have a natural when you you know intuitively they just connect yes right away and so it bypasses the brain and you're going straight into the feeling realm and so for me yeah, that's where I that's where I learned it. So I can't as you're saying you can't really unlearn things. You can't No. Don't <laughs> so, unlearn, don't unsee. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So um it it just always resonated for me that we we are all everything and um our higher self helps us to draw on those things and when we realise that, I think we stop over identifying with one specific component of our soul. We stop saying yes. well, I'm just little mouse or I'm the big burly lion and I'm the, you know we start to go out I'm all those things and today I feel like I'm a bit more of the little mouse and that's okay and so the little mouse needs this more of the maybe more cave time and maybe maybe more nurturing maybe chicken soup and that kind of thing Um, yeah and that's um, providing them with that opportunity to go what's out of balance for me right now because this animal is coming up which means that needs nurturing and that provide, and then another time this one's coming up, which means that needs nurturing to create the balance, which is what we don't get taught about as children. Exactly, exactly. So yes, and I think that 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 first kids need to learn how to connect. That there are different energies that they can connect with, and that's why role playing is so awesome and so important. Yes, such a massive learning ground for them. Let's play shopkeeper. Let's play mummy. Let's play daddy. Let's play because they want to. They're they're. Um, learning how it feels like to be in different roles. But I think animals connect them more to the feeling realm. And I think yes. that's very healthy as well. Um, but for me, I think like it's it's one of those things where we as adults, as, you, as we said at the beginning of this show, are still children. 
So let's, let's bring all that into balance for ourselves. <laughs> because if we can do that, then we can be more available for the kids as well and the big kids and stop reacting um, and come from more of a, a peace with our own inner world uh, point of view. And then it's, I think we are transformational presences, transcendental. People feel it. There's, they, you know, people, they, it's smarter than what we give them credit for because even even the unconscious ones intuitively pick up on things. Oh, they do. They realise it and then they use yeah. it. They do. Yeah, they but absolutely. I agree entirely. You don't have a choice around being impacted. Mm. You know, you, it, it happens. There, there is no option for being impacted. Yeah. You may, and there will be a shift on some level. And if when you are aware of energy as you are and in relationship, you will see that and you know of the shift in the second it happens and you know when something might shift back and you you know you you know energy and children know that so innately and which is another reason why it's so important for us to start honoring well to grow that story of honoring them and to grow that space of honoring them so that they can do all those things you were just talking about because we're coming back to that social and cultural change to honor children uh, oh, that was my TEDx thing and um uh, you know, um, support community, improve community, because by doing that, where again, um, you know, my son, Bodhi, for example, um, beautiful name, which we're talking about energy, you know, that uh, the Sanskrit for, um, at the end of the day, um, enlightenment, but providing good things and enlightenment. So that's it, provider of good things and enlightenment. And that was his name. Um, chosen with a lot of thought before he was born. However, it wasn't given to him until after he was born just to ensure that it was his name, you know, because you, you know as well, well, this has come, but is that his name? And when he was born, I went, that's his name, or we did, you know. Um, and it's really interesting because he has chosen his own nickname at the moment, which is Jay. He hasn't been able to share with me where that came from. He's not quite sure, but he's really, he likes Jay. He loves his name, but his nickname is Jay. Um, we'll get that story at some stage. But he's so connected to the animal world um, and it's a space for him and nature in itself, you know, just all of nature. So the ocean, the forest, the animals above, below, he, plants as trees, etc. He is just so connected to all of that and it's a space of centering for him. So if anything is out of balance, being in nature, being at one with nature um, is supporting for him. Having said that, you know, even people, so even people fishing, so when he's been with his dad fishing and stuff like that, that is really violent for him. So he can't do that. So it's really, you know, beautiful to see that and him knowing that he's able to express that as well. Um, and, you know, the, the, I understand the theory and the concept around, you know, the catching the fish and the eating of the fish that's been done for decades, et cetera, et cetera. However, for him, it's not necessary because there are other means of um, food for consumption of energy for the human body and violence against an animal is not okay for him. So yeah, that's, it's that's profound. How old's Bodhi? Nine now. Wow. And yeah. is he a vegetarian? Not yet. But I, yeah, can't that. I can't watch fishing shows. Same. I mean, look, you know, I have lots of friends who fish and I, I don't put, and my husband likes to fish, so I don't like to, I don't put that on. I just, I'm like, can we change the channel? I can't watch a fish. You know, it's just, I can't. I just, Neither can I. 
it, I, I, there's no sense in it. Yeah. Can't do it. But that's okay. That's all right. No judgment on anyone else. And, and I'm, I'm certainly not a vegetarian and I, you know, I don't have an issue with um, being gifted with, you know, animal okay. food. So yes. Yeah. For me, it's not an issue. But, um, yeah, I just, I think we're, you know, sentient beings and there is a, a line sometimes that we just can't, we can't do. That's fine. Yeah, well, it's for each of us again. You know, it's where we're at, and um, when and again, it's when you see it, you can't unsee it. And that act is always, you know, I haven't seen it as an act of love. Um, I haven't seen it on the television as an act of love. I've seen it as an act of um, a, a game, a sport of winning. You know, I won. I caught the fish. Now I'm going to eat it. I'm the bigger, better human being. <laughs> you know, or I might toss it back, but I still caught it. You know. Um, as humans, you know, when you, again, so this is kind of going to a different level, but, you know, if you look at, if somebody's out there trying to catch us, where the fish, so talk, narcissism is one of the places that's talked about again, you know, they throw out the line, reel you in, and then dump you out, throw out the line, reel you in and dump you out. Same story, you know, it's again, it's a form of violence. Yeah, totally, um, totally get it. Totally feel it. My, I, my, my stomach's absolutely a little bit squirmy talking about it. Same. <laughs> it's fine. People need to see that. Like, yeah. this is my limit today, you know, and um, it's true, though. And um, and I think as enlightened beings, like, with the, with the whole, um, you know, when, when, like I said, like, people throw, well, what, even unconscious people who are narcissistic could throw out bait because they kind of know how to play the game to get what they want, to get the strokes they want, to get the attention they want and all that kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, but as a person who has, um, you know, uh, experience with helping people recover from love addiction, which is yes. you know, usually love addicts are actually addicted to narcissists. So, you know, there's that. Yeah. Um, I, I actually tell them to watch for bombing because usually toxic relationships are based on intensity. They're not based on that intimate, real, authentic connection, right? So they're based on... Absolutely intensity. not. And, and bombing comes in various forms. And when you actually, as a tool, one of the things that really helps people um, to, to, to identify, not to... They might, they might feel compulsive and they might want to take the bait and that's yes. why. Yes, yes. It's a process of, of consciousness and learning. But the, the kind of bombing that I'm talking about, just, just for people out there who might want to know about it, is they might get seduction bombs. They might get um, bombs where they, they're, that are designed for the, the, the person who is addicted to that narcissist to feel really like, like um, you know, loved and special and 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 you know seduced and yes. they might they might actually love that so they respond to that whereas it's actually to create intensity not to create intimacy um uh, one of them might be a caring bomb too so bombs we think is in a bad 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 but they're actually they can be they come in all forms they can yes. be very manipulative and yes. caring bomb. when you have a very needy love addict who, who really wants that, that to be rescued and wants that attention, those caring bombs are freaking like heroin. And so they, it's very hard to say no to a caring bomb. Um, so, you know, um, without getting cooked back in extraordinarily hard. So it's about identifying those. Um, and then 
the anger bombs are obvious. Um, they're the ones to create an argument or to, to generate a kind of fighty fighty scenario, whether that's just emotional or physical, could be physical. Um, and and another bomb is a um, abandonment bomb, which is very controlling and threatening usually. Like, so if you don't do this, you know, I'll leave you. Or, um, you know, they'll drop a bomb like that. In, in Maybe even they don't say the words, but that's the message that yeah. come through as well. So Have you written yeah, have you written with those terms at all? Because, you know, there are, there are so many books, you know, like Anita Bentata's story, she uses Little Red Riding Hood and that whole wolf and everything in her conceptual theories and in her um, her workshops. I haven't done any of them, but I'm aware of that's what she's done. You know, um, name's escaping me. Come on, brain, click in. Um, another lady used five fingers. Hers was about emotional abuse. Why is her name escaping me? She's uh, She won an um, an Medal of Australia or something like that for the work that she's done with people people with addictions and abuse, uh, Brisbane lady. My, my, my role model for um, love addiction recovery and and that was Pia Melody who wrote Facing Love Addiction and um, she wrote um, the book um, Facing Codependency and she works at the um, Meadows, which is in Phoenix, Arizona, which is a rehabilitation. Oh, place. okay, yeah. And, yeah, she's done a whole heap, like, forever. Like, this is when I'm in my 20s that I was yes. covering love addict myself. And so I, I, I read a lot and I <laughs> I was walking the talk a lot before I even became a counsellor, like, for 10 years. So yes. all my stuff is, like, I'm sure there's more. There's always more. And, I mean, even if I was to go, let me write a book on love addiction today, it would be so much more about how energy works and, and, and you know, in, a, in that way rather than just facts. Like, yeah. I talking about how the bombs feel and things like that. I just I haven't heard that term before and it's really, it works. It's a really good fit, um, the, the, um, the bombing. So that's a really great fit and it works for me. Some of the other ones that I've read haven't worked for me and that doesn't mean they're right or wrong. For every single person, there's a different vocabulary, there's a different experience they've had, so the different language works for them. Yeah, um, definitely. So and you've got yeah, a book there. Absolutely. I think her way was quite systematic and I... I found that with with codependency and a lot of the a lot of the uh, there was a lot of emotional story attached to it all, and I was like, no, no, no let's just, let's get to the tools because I just want to. Yes. Get to the yes. Part of being in that emotional toxicity of of the the toxic relationship was was almost like you get addicted to the misery. You know, you do. I, didn't be, I didn't want to be addicted to the story. I didn't want to be addicted to the misery. I just wanted what's the tool? Um, let me have it. Let me let me act on it. One of one of my favourite tools was close your mouth, sit on your hands, close your mouth and breathe and shut up and don't say anything when you when you want to actually bite back or say yes or text back or make that phone call is you just sit on your hands, you close your mouth and you breathe. And I think that for me it's like, yeah, get back to your centre girlfriend, like, you know, get back to your higher self. Let's make some rational decisions, not compulsive ones. And those needy parts of ourselves that want to jump on the bandwagon of the bait, um, to identify that part and to have little conversations, enlightened conversations with those so that we stop the cycle. Because the cycle doesn't continue if you stop it. That's I mean, it. That, that person might go on and they might do the cycle somewhere over there because, because that's what they're ready for. They're not ready to step out of the cycle. That's fine. But in my experience, you stop the cycle, you, you can liberate somebody to stop the cycle too because the power of you stopping the cycle gives them an opportunity and they've got free will to do that. However, as I said, they might be 
hey, they might be contracted here with lots of souls to do that story over and over again. So I, exactly. I kind of look at that and go, well, hey, do I want to... <gasps> How long do I want to spend in that story? And that helps you really make the decision to move on from it. Like if you feel you have big work here to do, to to, to move on from it and swiftly. But um, yeah, I know we're coming to the end now because um, we, we've got to wrap it up. But I yeah. just want to invite you to let everybody know where they can find you, what you're what you're up to, what's next for you, and and all that jazz. Okay. Um, I'm on Facebook at Donna.Flockhart. I don't have a website operating at the moment. I will do in the near future. I'm just starting to uh, write in Twitter as well, also at, um, at Donna Flockhart. Um, in July this year, I'm actually doing a Hay House Balboa Press um, writing workshop in Sydney. And out of that is going to create the next step for me. So I'm actually going to write a lot of this story and a lot of these, or start the process. There is not one book. There's a lot of books to be written. And, you know, I've actually got past my story now of who am I to write another book? There's hundreds of thousands of people out there writing books, but they all complement each other and everyone has a voice. Everyone has something to say. Everyone has one or many books inside them. So I'm actually starting to do that and I will start that in July. Um, and to find out more about me, just contact me on Facebook. That's really the best, yeah. I'm based in Queensland, um, Australia. And um, really happy to talk to anybody, really open actually. I am in the process of um, wishing to get involved more with groups in this, this area and actually working collaboratively with people because as you shared before, you know, that's the thing I want to create, create and collaborate um, and get these messages out to the world and help shift, upshift everything to this space where we're all in a place of love and honouring our children. Oh, wonderful. Well, it's been absolutely awesome sharing the space with you, this soul sister, Donna, and I look forward to seeing all the adventures to come because I'm sure that there'll be lots and lots, and lots more of a colourful journey for you um, and for me as well. So I'm looking absolutely. forward to staying in touch and enjoying that ride together. So thanks again, beautiful. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you so much. And thanks, everyone. I look forward to contacting and meeting with people at some stage if they'd like to do that or when they'd like to do that. Okay, ciao.